cutting out, so we're good. Yeah, man. Uh, so I'll give my intro now. So we've already been talking for a few minutes, uh, and then we'll just we'll go into whatever, man. Cool. All right. Welcome everybody to the Tell Me Something podcast. I'm your host, Cruz Robbie Villanueva, alongside my beautiful co-host Holly Nicole Villanueva. Hi. What's up, babes? You gotta let me say it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> well, What's up, babes? Well, you know. Yeah. Here we are. All right. Today we are joined by a special guest, good friend of ours, Rob Consoletti. Hey. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, man? <laughs> Not much. We've been talking for five minutes, but I immediately feel more nervous now. <laughs> yeah, so that's everybody, man. So, uh, and most of the people, actually, yeah, I think everybody that I've had on here, it's been the first time on on a podcast. So you're not alone with it, and everybody gets nervous, and then, but after like the first two, three, maybe four minutes, it's just like regular conversation. You get you get over the I'm on a podcast deal. For you, it should probably be, it'll probably be a little bit easier since we're just FaceTiming um, and you don't have the headset on and stuff. So I'm looking weird over here through FaceTime with the headset. <laughs> looking extra. Look extra. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Can you hear her? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear her. Okay, cool. All right. I just want to make sure that she, she might chime in every once in a while. Yeah. So... Uh, we met at Herbert Field. We worked together uh, for a little bit. You were in the Air Force, and you're out now, right? Working a contracting gig. Uh, yeah, yeah, quitting that gig uh, pretty soon. I only have like another month and a half left. Oh shit! But yeah, I've been doing that for the last few years. Yeah, uh, you're moving out to uh, you said Missouri. Yeah, yeah, going out to Missouri, uh, following my girlfriend. She's getting stationed out there at some. Uh, really, really tiny base that like uh, everyone we mentioned to is like, didn't that close like 30 years ago? <laughs> so it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> what base is in Missouri? Uh, Whiteman Air Force oh. Base. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, a long time <laughs> yeah. ago, we almost got stationed there. Really? Yeah. The only way we got out of it is because I got, I volunteered to be an MTI. <laughs> so, so we got out of going to Whiteman. It was Whiteman, right? Yeah, because the unmanned yeah. aircraft squadrons were standing up there, and they were trying to make us the initial cadre, and I was like, absolutely not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the reason was. I didn't. There's not a whole lot of different, uh, you know, career paths that go there. Yeah, I, I've never. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know too many people that are that are that have been stationed there, so I haven't heard much about it. So the only thing I knew was like it had with the MQ9 squadrons. Uh, so yeah, how many years did you do again? About 11 years. 11 years. You're halfway through, man. That's like the point where everybody's like, well, you're at 10 years, might as well just do 20. Yeah, no, definitely. It, it was, I just, I don't know, had a kind of different perspective. Yeah. But it's a tough call. It is, man, because, uh, fuck, 11 years is a long time. I mean... So also, I think that uh, somebody in the squadron was trying to line me up for a position. I won't say exactly what, but um, they asked me to work a specific position, and then I heard a GS job was going to be opening up with the same exact title. Yeah. So, yeah, 
yeah, some other things I heard through the grapevine. I was like, oh. And when I said I was leaving, the person looked like notice upset. I was like, that's not a normal reaction. You should be happy for me that I'm leaving, you know? Yeah. I think it, it threw a wrench in their plan. So that was kind of a, I mean, I was already, you know, happy with my decision to go with, obviously, uh, you know, Jamie to stay with her. So I don't regret it. But it was like kind of stunk too. Like you said, 11 years, it's already a lot of time. You know, you can roll that into actual government position so it's kind of like damn <laughs> i could have maybe taken advantage of it oh, well. yeah it's rough man dude and honestly so after you got out maybe a year later we almost got out really? yeah we all we almost called it quits and uh, we were gonna go well not completely out we we're gonna do the reserves and we we're gonna go to san antonio and just do the civilian thing out there um I thought you got the TI gig and you were like really happy with being in Texas and all that. Was that not the case? Or? No, so that was before. Uh, this is when we were already at Herbert. Oh, oh gotcha. Yeah, so we, we, because I was at, I think I was at 11 years also. And I was, it, dude, I was just like, fuck it. Um, I think we could do better on the outside. And we were looking everything up. The only thing, well, two things. Insurance is a motherfucker as a civilian. And with four kids, we were like, man, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. And then the other thing was we had filled out all the paperwork. We were on our way out. Um, we were told we couldn't get out. So we were trying to get out early that we couldn't get out because our career field was critically manned. Um, it ended up being a, a blessing, man. We, we stayed in and, uh, well, yeah, we're moving on to better, bigger and better things. So it was good that we did it. Yeah, it, it's really tough. I'll definitely say since I've like almost all my coworkers are, you know, a lot of them are a lot older and they retired. So they have, um, you know, medical benefits from you know retirement and all that. I'm one of the few that actually has like, you know, truly has uh, civilian health care. And it's definitely the best, like quality wise, because you can choose your own doctor or specialist, like go to whoever you want to go to. It's been the best care I've ever received. Which, you know, unfortunately says what it says about the <laughs> uh, military <laughs> medical. I, I think everybody knows it's no secret that you have a bunch of people training so they don't yeah. always know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, this is what it is, you know. But um, at the same time, I pay a lot more. Like, it sucks. It's, um, it's when you're used to having it covered and then you just have to pay this astronomical amount for, you know, every time you go see somebody, it's like, it's, it's rough. Yeah. I don't know how with kids it would be horrible. Nope, and that's what we were looking at, and we were looking at, we were looking at all these different uh, insurance coverages, and we were thinking the same thing. I was like, I don't know how people live having to pay this. <laughs> so we were like, ah, fuck it, we're staying in. Yeah, but uh, so one of the main reasons to bring you on was because you're fucking swole as shit, man, and. Uh, the last time I saw you, you were not. <laughs> no, uh, that was one of the. I had like slowly let myself fall out of shape throughout kind of my, my like mid to late twenties and early thirties, and yeah. So when you saw me was relatively probably one of the, the my, my lowest points as far as like fitness goes, um, and it, it's I still see myself, and I don't think I don't think I'm swollen. I'm huge, but if I go look at photos from two years ago, yeah. And I'm like, oh shit, oh wow, that guy was 
back I was small. <laughs> like, I don't have a big head about it now, but comparatively, you know, I'm happy with the changes I've made. Yeah, uh, just because they're small incremental changes, so you, I mean, right. it's hard to notice them day by day. Yeah. Yeah, just like seeing your kids grow. You see them every day. Yeah. And then one day it's just like, what the fuck? They're 18? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man, because uh, – yeah, whenever I PCS from Herbert, um, so that was the last time uh, we interacted. And uh, yeah, man, you were you had more like of a runner's physique. And then I slowly I was like, we follow each other on Instagram and Facebook, and every once in a while you'll post pictures. There was one day you posted a picture, and it was like of oh, your arms, and I was like, what the fuck? That's not Cazzoletti. <laughs> yeah, one of our other coworkers, Alex. Uh he, uh, I forget if it was Instagram or Facebook, but he's, he's only responded like two or three times over the years. Yeah. But he was like, what happened, man? When I was there, I was looking for a lifting partner. Like where you're not this person you were, but like, where were you back then? That would have been great. <laughs> he was into it and I wasn't. So it was just yeah. joking. Just the time, man. Just the time. What are you drinking? Uh, coffee and, uh, almond milk. Damn. See, getting it. Yeah, just due to the work schedule lately, I've been feeding my coffee. I was trying to cut it out before that because uh, caffeine increases your cortisol, which is a stressful known, you know, catabolic. Defeats the purpose when you're trying to build muscle, you know, helps you break it down. So, but uh, yeah, we're in a really busy work schedule right now. So that's been my big vice. Yeah. Um so before we get into the weeds, like you started out, uh, like what, what weight were you at whenever you started like the bodybuilding journey? Uh, so I was 173, which was like 20 pounds heavier probably than, um, I guess like when I got out of basic, I was about, you know, 153, 155. So I was 173, but I knew I had lost some muscle mass. Um, and for the first time ever, I saw a little bit of bump around like the low foundal area, yeah. which I never had. Before. So it was fat. I was 173 and I was getting a little fat. Um, living in my early 30s and, uh, you know, had a, a minor injury or two um, and was really uh, disturbed. Like, I always enjoyed being in, like, relatively at least decent, mediocre shape. Um, and I, did, I really, it just kind of struck me like, oh no, I'm getting older. I don't want to be one of these guys who just gets old and falls apart. And, you yeah. know, it's healthy. He was like, this is horrible. I'm never going to be that stereotypical uh you know fat american i just want to be uh have some desire to be healthy so uh i went from 173 started running like six days a week uh, for two months and once i started doing that i just started cooking better um, i didn't know a lot about macros and things like that but i just my goal was cut out all processed foods nice started cooking all produce fresh uh basically chicken or fish every night and because I started running was being physical, you know, your body starts to create healthy things. So it wasn't hard. Um, yeah. So I started doing that, uh, for about two months ran six days a week, dropped from 173 to 155. Damn. Yeah. A little over 20 pounds, two months, not bad, but I looked at myself in the mirror in one of those, the old photos I posted recently. Um, I think in real life you would have noticed it more than in the photo, but I was like, I looked almost anorexic and so much muscle had atrophy. I, I feel ashamed to admit it, but I had like significantly less muscle mass than when I was uh, in high school. Oh shit. 
So I was like, oh, I got rid of all the fat, but now I look like garbage because I don't have <laughs> muscle keeps you straight. I was like, just this really skinny looking anorexic guy. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, clearly I did have kind of a runner's physique, and that was great for losing weight because I'm, uh, you know, a slender build, an uh, ectomorph. But I was like, if I keep doing this, it's going to look terrible and I'll be healthy. So I switched and said, all right, well, well let's go to a gym. I, I had never really done that before. Um, went in there, started lifting weights and just doing a ton of reading, just trying to figure it out. And uh, really enjoyed it. And the, um, how much it affected the other areas of my life. Um, it fixed a lot of other pillars, like, um, you know, stress management, anxiety went from being something that was difficult to me to, like, I didn't have to think about it. It was just easy. Um, you know, I wanted to eat better and cook better. Uh, I had a lot more energy throughout the day. You know, it was just like all pillars of my life seemed to improve with this lifestyle. And I, you know, really enjoyed it, just the challenge of it. So I decided, I'm, you know, I'm going to keep doing it and see how far I can push myself. And basically just never stopped. Yeah, and uh, I don't think you should stop. Which and I don't think you are. So yeah, you're making a lot of progress, man. And uh, in two years, like when you posted that that Instagram, I think, and it showed your two year progress. I was like, holy shit, that is that's amazing. I, I was crazy impressed. Um, how long do you spend? So how many times a week do you go to the gym, and how long do you spend for each session? Um, first of all, thank you because you were the one who was doing like the marathon races and stuff, you know, when we worked together. So, uh, you know, you were in very good shape. Hey, thanks man. But, Try to get um, back there. <laughs> uh, my routine now is I go five days a week, uh, about two hours each night, maybe a little bit less. Uh, the way I have it set up now is, uh, deadlifts, which is my, you know, my posterior chain, like deadlift, uh, hamstring glute day is Monday. Uh, Wednesday, I do chest and shoulder. Uh, then Friday, I do just the whole day is back. And there's a, a very specific reason for that, too, you can get into later. Then on the weekends, I have a squat, squat, which is basically just a glute focus day. And then uh, the boring day, Sunday, arms, thighs, and tries. <laughs> the beach muscles, typical. man. Yeah, the ego builder. Yeah. So, yeah. Find it really boring, actually, but uh, you know, necessary evil. Yeah, they are boring, um, but they're yeah, they're the ones, they're the muscles that everybody knows notices at first, right? Uh, right. Like I always like doing deadlifts and squats. Uh, those that, when when you put a lot of weight on there, <clears throat> that's when you really feel fucking strong. With squats and deadlifts, um, and you, you could throw like a lot of weight on a curl on a curl bar and curl that shit, you're never going to feel strongest when you like you, you squat two, three, four plates. It's just, it's a different feeling. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Deadlift and squats are by far my two favorites. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. I don't, I don't deadlift. Uh, I, I deadlift, but I don't ever do heavy weight anymore because I hurt my back, uh, back like in 2016 or something. So I can't do heavy deadlifts anymore. Uh, squat. I'm trying to get back up to it. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's kind of a dumb stroke of luck that I didn't, you know, work out in the gym or lift weights when I was in, like, my 20s because I didn't know enough about it, enough about form, and I probably would have injured myself, too. I feel like it's a thing that just, like, the general public, at least, you know, the parts of the country that I've seen aren't very knowledgeable on it yeah. and don't really get a lot of training on that as far as fitness goes in the military. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, uh, we're, we're far enough into this. I can go off onto a little tangent, right? Yeah, do it, man. You talk about what you talking, want to. <laughs> I was chatting with a few coworkers uh, recently, and it, like, there's some that are just, you know, about my age, a couple years older. Uh, on the team, even though, you know, a lot of the folks are, are much older, but there's a couple of young ones, and like, even they have like, uh, discs that are uh, just, you know, some issue with the disc in their lower back, like a really serious injury. Um, and just going over that now that I'm studying, uh, my certification, I, um, you know, I'm trying to really digest everything and, uh, internalize it very well. And it was like, I was at work, uh, thinking about some of that stuff, talking to the guys and it just occurred to me, um, you know what I, when I say posterior chain, you know what that is, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I was thinking, okay, you know, these people with back injuries, that's, you know, they might have weak posterior chains, you know, back muscles, uh, you know, lower back. Hamstrings. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I, um, I strained my trapezius. I was headaches. You, you strained your what? Trapezius. The traps? traps? Yeah, upper neck. So I strained that, and, you know, that basically the muscle pulls on uh, other muscles and tendons and things, which pulls on, uh, you know, your bones, your spine, where all the nerves are, which caused all kinds of ridiculous pain up the side of my neck. I basically had, like, locked jaw. Um, my teeth were in, like, pain constantly, 24-7. And I ended up going to the... Uh, my Cairo buddies um, pointing to his massage therapist and massage therapy fixed it. Uh, but also that was when I re- rearranged my workouts so that I did back day after chest day. It was a combination of uh, really postural uh, imbalance in the fact that like we work at best job and just with our kind of technology and culture now, nowadays, a lot of people have a real um, kind of internal um Internal, like not rotation is not the right word, but pull the shoulders are sucked forward. Yeah, you know, and you're they just on your closing in that. on themselves. And yeah, when you're driving, when you're typing at a keyboard, if you have a desk job, we do all these things to where the posture is up and bad, and the shoulders are drawn forward. Yeah, and when um, you know, exacerbate that with uh, doing a lot of like chest and things like that, and you don't exercise the antagonist muscles, it can create an imbalance. And that imbalance can cause these kind of problems. It would be like if you worked your biceps for a year straight and never did anything with your tricep. You know, would be big and huge. And, you know, the agonist, if you pull in on the antagonist muscle, which is, you know, the tri in this example, it's severely weak and hampered. And uh, you probably have some kind of similar imbalance and pain in, like, your, you know, your elbow or something. Um, that was what was going on. And I was thinking when it comes to the, the military PT testing, everything they do is on the front side of your body, like the interior side, push-ups, crunches, um, running is not really one side or the other, but uh, everything they emphasize and what the majority of guys and girls in their 20s who don't know any better in the gym, what they're doing is probably all focused on the front side of your body. So point being, your back is probably weakened. Your whole posterior chain is probably weakened. And coincidentally, probably the number one, you know, injury that people get in the military is lower back injuries. You know, like you, over half my coworkers, um, it's probably not a coincidence. You know, those muscles are weakened, so it's very easy to injure yourself when they're not. Yeah, man, when I, when I hurt my back, so I was in like mediocre shape. Uh, I mean, throughout my career, there's points where I've been in like, top physical shape and then I've been really really like out of shape uh, but I've always had some kind of like uh, 
athletic foundation. I don't, I don't know what to call it, but there's always something there that's kept me. Uh, if I needed to run, I could run. If I, I if I needed to bench whatever, I, I could do it right. Um, but when I hurt my back, I was doing deadlift. So, and it was a combination of things. The weight that I was deadlifting was not a problem. It was 225, uh, which at the time I could do no problem. I could rep it out. Uh, I hadn't warmed up. Uh, I was over 30 years old, so I was like, uh, you definitely need to warm up your muscles to, to get going. And I didn't do any of that. The day before, I had taken a 12-hour road trip. So it's just like a compound of things that led to that back injury. Uh, so all, all my posterior chain was all tightened up and then not warming up to get that shit um, loosened up and like ready to fire when it needed to be. And then once I started repping out the 225, uh, my form just went to shit. So with the third rep, I just, uh, whatever it is, it, it popped in my lower back and that was it. Yeah, that, that sucks. Sorry to hear that. So yeah, I mean, the road trip and all that, and just it sounds like you're a little out of it and fatigued. It's, you know, unfortunately, that's when the, the injuries are going to happen. Yeah. I went, uh, I actually had to go pretty late today just because the work schedule has been so crazy. Um, and I'm still forcing myself to go to the gym and stuff. You know, uh, cutting right now, eating less food, like all those things together. Uh, I could tell today doing squats and stuff. Um, but like it just wasn't there. You know, I wasn't going to hit the same numbers that I did, you know, a week or two ago. So I just decided to go light, you know, to prevent like uh, injury and stuff. But What's... it's, there's a lot of factors to consider. What's uh, light for you? Uh, my highest did it today was uh, 335. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I hit 355 for the first time, which was, you know, pretty happy about. Oh, yeah? Damn, were you maxing out or just part of the program? Um, I maxed out. I didn't plan on it, but I just, you know, I kept going up and... Like, I had never gone above 335, and I, I got to 335 and hit five reps, and it felt good. Oh, shit. I'm not easy, but it felt really good. So I was like, yeah. oh, shit, well, you know, I'm never going to try and force it, but, like, this is the week to... I was like, even if I do one or two at three, you know, 345, 355, you know, go for it. If I just did five at that, you know, at that number, I know I can do at least one or two. So just kind of feel it out. Damn. That's badass, man. Uh, so I know you and I know you're like a big researcher type of dude whenever you get into anything and you get into you get into the weeds you get into the details um, whenever you got into lifting like did you already have an idea of what you were going to do or did you just go into the gym it's like you know, I'll go do some curls and some bench press because that's what everybody does right yep pretty much that was how I started the first like week or two um, I mean I had been in you know like a high school gym once before. So, I mean, I had seen the machine, but I, I did not correctly. Uh, it was kind of that, uh, I had that epiphany when I, you know, I took that photo in the mirror and was like, shit, I look anorexic. This isn't good. It's a bad look for Rob. Um, so then, yeah, I walked over and they, they had like a free week trial at this gym in Destin. Um, so I went in there for a couple of days just to feel it out. And then after that, yeah, I started just looking up things online. Uh, I started listening to uh, a podcast uh, by PJ Braun. Um, I'll do that, you know, commuting every day to and come work, catch up on all, you know, all the all the episodes that I've missed up on. I ordered uh, Arnold's. In, what 
he had an old thing called the encyclopedia and he like re updated it yeah. um, called his Arnold's new encyclopedia of bodybuilding got that and read all through it um, and then just started you know reading up more modern stuff with some of these people who are you know have obviously changed since he kind of you know is uh, older now so yeah I just kept reading and talking to people uh, there's a lot of really good trainers at that gym um, and a few of them like their schedules it's um, it, it's nice uh, I don't want to make it sound like over embellished but it's a little bit nicer than like your uh, 24 hour fitness or those kind of places gotcha. uh, machine selection and they have some pretty top uh, pretty good trainers there and people who go there who are like uh, you know my buddy who's a doctor He's not a trainer, but he probably knows more than the majority of the trainers. And like their schedules are so full, they can't, they don't have room to take any more clients. And like, if you are, you know, showing that you have a lot of effort and stuff and you're like passionate about it, they'll just give you advice and things. And so, you know, talking to them, picking their brains. I mean, they might be standing right next to me teaching a client. I just sit there and listen. Like, <laughs> this is free information. This is great. So, My man. Uh, yeah. Just trying to get smart on it. Yeah, so you don't pay for a trainer right now? Just kind of like get all your knowledge through podcasts and um, eavesdropping on trainer conversations and then just having conversations with them? Pretty much. Uh, I did pay for one for uh, like two or three months, uh, specifically just to help with chess because I felt like that was my weakest. Um, but that didn't last too long. Uh, he, he definitely helped me with some form things. Mainly uh, muscles in the back that you have to, uh, you know, get into the right position in order to actually isolate your chest. Uh, and, you know, since then, I, I learned to work more on back and things like that. Uh, yeah, he helped me quite a bit. I didn't do it for too long, though. Nice. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, I just fucking lost my thought, and I had a question. But anyways, so... So you're not working with a trainer now. Um, you're just doing your own thing. Have people asked you, like, hey, man, you're pretty you're pretty fit. Will you uh, help me? Uh, there's uh, there's not many, like, really young kids that go in there, but there are a couple. Um, but they've asked me some questions. Uh, there's a few people where, like, I mean, I've seen people in there, uh, like my friends, you know, he'll approach people and just kind of, you know, politely, like, make a joke, kind of open the rapport, and then, you know, try to give people advice. Um, and things like that if he sees them soon doing something wrong especially if it's where they could it's a foreign thing to where they could injure themselves um, you know he'll help them out I've started to do that a little bit but I'm really uh, you know pretty introverted like you and I don't want to offend people or, or anything like that so I don't do it too much I don't want to be that you know that person's like really pushy and arrogant about it yeah um, uh, there was actually today there was a lady uh, doing some she's a uh, one of the younger kids' uh, mother, actually, I found out. I don't know who she was. But uh, old, older lady, probably, you know, 50s, early 60s or something. And she was doing skull crushers with uh, the preacher bar. And, you know, low weight. She was doing like 30 pounds. But, um, you know, I watched how she was doing it. And basically, she was coming to a full lockout on her elbows, which, you know, you're not supposed to do. Uh, it's not good for them. Because when you do that, you know, there's basically zero tension going to your triceps, which is the whole point of the exercise is to isolate that and all the pressure is going onto your elbow joints. So, you know, fully locking out is not really good in any exercise. You know, if you're doing curls, uh, your bicep, you know, you're not going to lock out your elbow. Um, you know, it's pretty similar for most exercises. So 
just kind of, you know, politely talked to her and she was completely receptive and like, Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I told her, um, you know, yeah, just try it, you know, try it one time. And if, you know, if it doesn't feel better or feels bad or something, you know, by all means, um, you know, don't listen to me, do what, you know, do what you think uh, feels good for your body. But I said, I bet you'll feel, you know, a big difference. And yeah, she did her next set. And then, um, you know, I was at the, the station next to her and then she told me, she was like, yeah, no, I felt it a lot more. There was, um, you know, cause there was that constant tension on the muscles. So, you know, like giving it six seconds to rest. Um, yeah, so pretty, pretty positive about it and receptive. And then like, you know, other people, uh, there was one girl last week that I gave some, uh, some lat raise advice to. She's doing, you know, dumbbell lat raises. And then this week, like two days ago, I saw, uh, Mike was giving her the same advice or I could see him giving her advice. And like later on when she wasn't there, I asked him, I was like, Hey Mike, you know, what do you tell her? And he started like explaining it to me, like, like teaching me the same thing. And I just kind of smiled and I was like, yeah, you know what I told her last week? The exact same thing. <laughs> he just smiled and laughed and he was like, yeah, she probably won't listen to either of us. But I mean, that's fine. No, you know, nobody has to, if you're happy doing, you know, whatever you're doing, that's fine. Yeah. 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 Some people will take that advice. Um, and some people just hard headed. Uh, yeah. That's not to say there's some people you, <laughs> that you shouldn't take advice from. Uh, but, True. Yeah. Yeah. There's but yeah. yeah, look at the way you do. Obviously you're doing something right. So, oh, so you reminded me the question that I was going to ask you. So, have you had any injuries that kind of like held you back that you had to work through? Yes, yeah, uh, two. One I already kind of told you about um, was the uh, the headache, the neck strain. Yeah, and that was uh, well, something else. I don't know what that was. It? Well, there was uh, there was that I already kind of covered, and you know, the massage therapy was the thing that really fixed it for me. And, uh, you know, working more on, um, yeah, basically just that. The other thing was, uh, I actually hurt myself deadlifting, uh, kind of similar to you, but not as severe an injury, but when first starting it, the, uh, my buddy, the Cairo, you know, was giving me some advice on, you know, form and things like that. I didn't have my lower back neutral at first. You know, I realized that that helped me in a lot of other exercises, but after like months and months of fixing all these little things as I was learning it, I think over time, not doing it correctly as I was fixing stuff ended up, uh, there was a lot of pressure on my, my sacroiliad basically had like popped out and swelled up to the size of a golf ball. What is that? I don't know what that is. So uh, take someone who's pretty slender. If you look at their back, like just above their hips, where their, where their upper hips meet the lower back, you see like two dimples. Yeah. On either side of their spine. Those dimples are your sacroiliad. It's a sacrum and the, uh, where it meets the, the Iliad. I forget the Iliad is the full name or if it's like there's a couple words joined together. But your upper hits me your lower back and it causes the um, you know that little shape there. So if you're doing like a deadlift and you don't have a good hip hinge and you're not keeping your lower back neutral, it can put a lot of pressure there and eventually it built up and built up and then mine swelled up. So I went to the Cairo, he um, you know, basically put my, my knee up by my face, twisted my shoulder back the other way. And then, uh, pre- uh, did you know, a very quick press and push the, there's like the passive, the passive range of motion you would normally go to. And then somebody else can push you beyond that. And it's still safe. Like there's a threshold where it's safe and it's not 
too far that it's unsafe. Yeah. And so that's, that's what he did. And it, you know, then the joint was able to release all that pressure. And within like 24 hours, went back to normal. And I continued doing deadlifts. You know, I took a week off, but then continued doing them with good form. I've never had a problem since. So that, that helped me up for, I mean, I guess just like a week. The, um, the trap strain and the headaches, uh, that put me out of commission for like a month. And it sucked to come back because after just four weeks, I thought like I won't be able to do as much as I could, but it shouldn't be too bad, right? My two-hour workouts turned into like a 45-minute workout the first day because I just like didn't have the endurance to go. I was, you know, after just a couple weeks off, like your body snapped back out of it. Oh, shit. And it was actually a CrossFit-style um, workout was when I actually injured my traps. Uh, a coworker who's more into CrossFit-type stuff, he was like, try and do lower weight, maybe like half the weight you normally do for your max squat, but try doing like 20 reps. Yeah, and it's... It doesn't sound bad, but I mean, the no, amount of volume you build up. Bad. So, yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> your your uh, central nervous system starts freaking out, you know, because instead of like volume wise, you're doing like, you know, three or five, four times the volume you'd normally do. And it's all the pressures all, you know, going up and down your spine. You're, you're seeing us go crazy. And I tried to just push through it and then ended up, uh, you know, straining my trap and the crazy headaches and all that. So it, um, definitely a sign that if you're, you know, if you're trying to push yourself, you need to listen to the sign, the signals that your body is sending and, you know, put away your ego and, you know, you know, when it's time listen to you. So, I mean, if you remember, I was huge into CrossFit, man. I used to love it. And, oh, yeah. uh, but that's one of the things that led to a lot of injuries. And I know too, well, to most of my injuries, that was part of it. Like the ego, uh, like I have shoulder injuries, and uh, that's because I just did too much weight overhead. Uh, but that's because I was trying to beat the guy that was next to me. And it was just a regular workout. It wasn't a competition or anything. I was just trying to beat him just to have bragging rights. And uh, a lot of the people do that shit when it came to CrossFit. Because uh, they always say, hey, scale to a weight that you can do, right? But people will see like, hey, this is the prescribed weight. And they say, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm going to do the prescribed weight because I'm not a pussy, right? <laughs> Right. <laughs> and then that's when the injuries yeah. happen. So, uh, CrossFit, because of instances like that, it caught a bad rap. And then just its form is on some things is, is crazy compared to what most people do. Um, but yeah, yeah. That's, that's the injury piece that ego has a lot to do with it. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, there were a lot of lifts. Uh, once I started kind of learning some of the fundamentals, um, you know, like you want to pause in between the concentric, the eccentric, um, you know, do learn what the, you know, the correct form is. If you have to lower the weight to half of what you're doing, drop about like 30, 40 pounds, do that and practice, you know, practice the correct form and bring it back up, um, to make progress. Once you actually start, even if you don't think you need to, um, good advice to someone would be like, do it anyway. See if you can improve your form with lower weight. I just, who cares? Just one set, take like, you know, a minute or two. You know, just play with it. Um, I did that for the uh, cable rowing machine. And I used to think like I was doing it right. But I couldn't, I pulled it back. I couldn't hold it there. My arms would just like fall back forward, you know. So it was just kinetic energy. I was wasting half the rep. I dropped it down to like 35 pounds. And kind of like you said, I, you know, the first time I did it, I felt like a pussy. I was like, this is like, <laughs> no way. I curl more than this. Like, And I tried it. 
and I could do it. I felt my back muscles respond differently. I pulled it back and I could hold it there. And I ended up doing more reps, you know, and then my next set, maybe I went up to like 45, 55, not, not too much, but I did a few more like that. And I got up to a point at whatever weight range where then I couldn't hold it. I couldn't pull it back and hold it for a second. Um, but I did more reps and I walked away that day with like, my back was burning. Like you could tell in a good way, you know, you actually accomplished something yeah. and it was, it was all just related to putting the ego away and, you know, just playing with it, trying different things out. Yeah, man, you got to, if, uh, if you want to make real progress, like you have to, you have to check your ego at the door and, uh, be patient. Like patience is another one that, that gets people. They just want to do big weight really fast and get big really fast and don't realize like it's a process. It's going to take time. Yeah. Yeah. There are no shortcuts. There, there's no hack. It's just, uh, hard work and, you know, dedication. Yeah. Like for you, it's been two years. Like you didn't get like this overnight. Uh, right. It's, it's been two years, uh, from when you started to where you're at now. Yeah. I mean, I went from, you know, about 150 pounds to, uh, right now, you know, about 195, but I mean, 45 pounds sounds like a lot, but yeah, it took about two years. Yeah. That's fucking nuts, man. Hey, have you watched Pumping Iron? No. Oh, come on, man. You got to get on it. You know what is it like is, right? Documentary or something? Yes. Dude, so <laughs> when we get I'm done. I'm watching TV. Sorry. When we get done with this podcast, you need to go uh, check out Pumping Iron. And uh, I think you have to rent it. I don't. I don't think it's on Netflix or anything like that. I'm pretty sure you have to rent it. But it's uh, it's like uh, it's a documentary on Arnold's last um, Mr. Olympia tour. So his last his final competition, and they filmed everything that went on. And it's it's in the 70s, but it's still badass because it's Arnold and and Lou Ferrigno. Nice. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. I think I'll, you'll I'll enjoy just- it. Jamie's got all the uh, streaming services, so you know, I'll see if I can find it on there. If not, rent it. But that sounds good. Yeah, Definitely man. So I have a question. I know I haven't said much, and I'm kind of in the background, but um, how often do you go to the chiropractor? Um, it's actually, I've only been to him once. Uh, I've only been to a chiro once ever. Uh, it's his massage therapist that I go to. And uh, initially he had, uh, so I'll, I'll answer the question, I promise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Suggested I go to the massage therapist um, for, well, massage therapy to help with, you know, because I was doing such a, you know, a really a kind of aggressive five-day-a-week you know, schedule, starting to get into, like, the heavy compound lifts. And he suggested it, and at first I kind of had the reaction probably a lot of people would have, like, that's a lot of money. I don't think I need that. And then, you know, I started to get really tight and stuff. Um, a bit, long story short, I eventually went and uh, got a, you know, what they call, like, a sports massage. It was more like medically based, I guess, um, for like to cater to specifically like the workouts that I was doing and things like that. Oh my god, it was amazing! My mobility got so much better. And then since then, I just I started going every probably every three weeks, two three weeks, give or take. So pretty frequently, but I mean, it's definitely worth it when you're like into the routine, um, you know that and that dedicated to it makes a huge difference. Oh yeah, I'm all on board for massages. Like I don't get them near as much as I want them, but when we were when did, I guess San Antonio when we got really big into CrossFit, huh? Or Vegas? Uh, no, it was in Vegas. Yeah, I did the sports massages, and they would be like, "Hey, this is gonna hurt. We're gonna get like the muscle under the muscle, and 
during the process of the massage, it's pretty painful, but afterwards it's such a relief. But I also go to the chiropractor weekly and it makes such a huge difference in just everything. Um, I'm trying to get this guy to go, but he's not for it. He doesn't want to go to the chiropractor. It's not that I'm not for it. I just, there's a whole lot of paperwork that you have to do. <laughs> so, so that like, uh, the military pays for it. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I don't want to put in the effort to do that. I, I will say I'm definitely on Holly's side for this one. <laughs> but now having kind of befriended one and gotten advice from him, you know, for the, for a little over a year now, what I didn't realize, like, I didn't know a single thing about a Cairo or, you know, what they did, what their specialty was, you know, how it was related to other things, uh, like massage therapy and, you know, like rehabilitate, uh, what do you call it? Yeah. Re- rehab for like muscular injuries. Um, I guess the way I would explain it to someone now is it's not just, they don't just know things about your spine and it really, their specialty, which no other doctor has is musculoskeletal, which can apply to anything, you know, anywhere in your body, they have a specialized knowledge of that, you know, subsect of like medicinal science where like you go to see your, uh, your general, uh, what do you call it? PCM. You're just like your family doctor. They have a broad range of knowledge but not specifically on that. And really any, any other specialist you see is not going to specialize in musculoskeletal injuries. So if you're an athlete or if you work out a lot, whether it's CrossFit, bodybuilding, um, or like any other physical type workout, um, if you have injuries that are related to, you know, tied into the muscles, like they're going to have a better understanding probably. So it's like they can help you with things even if it's really not directly related to your spine. Gotcha. Yeah, so I will say I go to the chiropractor weekly, like I said, but um, the military doesn't pay for chiropractors. So if you're listening to this and you're hoping to go, the military will not pay for it. You just have to find one that does like a program. So the chiropractor I specifically go to, she does a program where you go and you pay to have your x-rays done so she can see like everything that's going on. But then she pays for your care. Um, if you're military, so you don't have to pay your like premiums. You just have to pay for the x-rays. But um, the biggest thing I see with people in there who are in the military and who had those desk jobs is their hips get out of alignment. So they have like one foot or one leg that's maybe like half an inch longer than the other one, which doesn't seem like a mu- like much, but it makes such a huge difference when that's fixed and it like everything's just back in alignment. So your muscles aren't pulling, you're not straining you don't feel that those like tiny little aches and pains like you do when everything's just where it's supposed to be at. So what I, I agree, there's people, uh, you know, desk jobs and things that it ends up hampering your posture and most people don't realize their posture is as bad as it is. Um, it, like, is that what you go for? Is it um, related to having a desk type job or? No. So I go because it's basically because of having kids. But um, when I had our second daughter, they put my epidural in wrong like three times and it really messed up my sciatica nerve. So if I'm out of alignment at all, I get huge, like, I don't know what the official term is, but like zingers down my leg um, until my spine is corrected. So that nerve isn't being pinched anymore. Um, So I go just to make sure that I don't get into that position where there's long gaps and I can feel those like nerves starting to get strained on. Um, but it also helps in everything else, just like daily workouts. And yeah, my posture's 
shit, but I've worked at a desk job for 14 years too. So, um, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, it does help with it too. No, that's tough. I, I can't imagine. I had a coworker I had to take to the hospital once with, and he had, uh, I guess he injured himself playing paintball. He like planted his foot and slipped and he ended up, it was the same kind of issue with the sciatica. Um, I had to take him to the hospital once and he looked like a young, strong guy. Yeah. And I, I can't believe the amount of pain that he was in. Like I had my hands around him the entire time ready to grab him. If I thought he was going to fall, just drop and hit the floor. Like I, and he wasn't um, like a dramatic person, but the amount of pain it looked like he was. Yeah. Like, oh, I never want to feel that way. That looks terrible. Yeah. Cause your sciatica is like, it runs through the whole back side of your body, right? So it's just, if you have the tiniest pinch, especially right at your spine, it just, you're going to feel it the entire length of the nerve, which is just miserable. Um, yeah, the way my chiropractor explained it to me, it's like if you have a blood vessel that's kind of pinched, so you're only getting a little bit of blood through it, you know, you start getting that like tingly hand or tingly arm or whatever until you get that full range back but it's kind of the same thing with the nerve except it's like zing i don't know what yeah, they really call i call them zingers like <laughs> a zinger <laughs> yeah i don't know i uh I, I would be willing to go to a chiropractor i just i don't want to do put the effort into filling out all that paperwork and just to get there um, but yeah she lives and dies by them and i also like I'm a huge proponent for massage therapy too, just because people, I feel like just exactly what you said, it's expensive. So to like invest in that is a lot. Um, and I probably get one like once a quarter, once every six months, but I really need to get one about once every month to like actually feel the effects of it, especially because I carry all of my stress in like my upper shoulders. And so as soon as they start the massage, I'm like, it's some serious pain when they start pushing on those pressure points in my shoulders. Have you done scraping? Um, I, I think I've heard of that before. I don't remember what it is, but no. So it's that metal tool that they get, and it kind of looks like a very dull knife, and they pretty much just press down on your muscles as as hard as they can and just like in a scraping motion go across whatever, okay. whatever yeah. muscle they're targeting never done that that sounds awful too yeah i uh yeah i've seen <laughs> i've seen videos of people doing it and they're like crying it's it's supposed to be the best thing for you like after you're done and and your muscles recover it's supposed to be amazing but the process that while you're doing it it's just painful i've never done it and i don't think i ever will cuz i'm not uh yeah i'm not looking to push the limit like that but <laughs> It's it's just nuts. Like check out the videos. You'll you'll laugh your ass off. So what is uh what does your uh, nutrition look like and your supplementation? Um, originally I was doing uh, you know, because I started off like we said, I, I thought I looked anorexic at the beginning, so I was just building for a long time, doing building phases. I started using my fitness pal. It's nice. a pretty awesome track here. Yeah, we I mean, use it. Yeah. Yeah, so it tracks all your individual macros and stuff. You can set it to what you want. Um, started using that. Uh, my buddy Mike ended up, you know, he gave me some cues for like, all right, 
I, I was not eating correctly. That's why kind of why I plateaued at like 182, 185. I was eating equal portions of carbs and protein. And he flew me into the fact that he's like, no, no, if you're building, you, you should have your carbs almost twice as high. You want to have like 55% carbs, you know, 20 or 25% and the rest of fat. Um, because carbs are your body's main source of energy. So if you're having intense two hour workouts at the gym, you're going, if you're, you know, eating like 40, 40, 20, you're burning through basically all your carbs and your body has nothing left to grow with. Mm. Not, you're just spinning your wheels. You're not going to get anywhere. You're just burning calories basically. Um, yeah, sure enough, as soon as I started eating like 55, 25, 20, I put on some weight, you know, immediately. Um, and my body was just waiting to grow, but it was like starved in a sense. So I was doing like, I think I started out at like 3,200 calories with that macro breakdown. Um, I pushed it up to like 30, the highest was like 35 and 3,600, um, or so I thought. And you can laugh at me because this, this is really dumb, but. I was measuring uh, like rice and pasta and stuff, or rice and oats and things like that, um, dry. Like, oh, I have a cup of this. That's how much I'm cooking. And then I would eat that much thinking it was still a cup, not realizing when you, you know, one cup dry is like two cups cooked. Oh, shit. And I was eating that like three or four times a day. So I was measuring 3,600 calories doing that. So I was probably really eating like 4,000 or 42. Oh, fuck. But, um, That's insane. Yeah, now I finally am on, uh, I have like a week and a half left of my first cutting cycle, um, which was really weird after trying to bulk for, you know, a year and a half, uh, pulling your mind back out of that and changing your macros and stuff. Um, I wasn't doing it right at first. I had to look at like other fitness people on Instagram, uh, posting their macros and things like that. Um, noticed, oh, hey, they're doing something completely different than me. We're both cutting. Maybe that's why it's so hard for me to now, uh, I was having trouble you know, like eating too many um, carbs and stuff. It was hard. So I finally switched it around, um, dropped it back down again to like 40, 40, 20, you know, basically you're reducing your calories, but relatively you're eating more meats and veggies and things that are more satiating and fill you up. Yeah. More satiating types of carbs too, maybe like sweet potatoes and things instead of, you know, whatever else you're eating. And that helped a lot. So right now I'm down to 20 under calories um, a day. Yeah, but I mean, of course, I'm at 195 now instead of, you know, before I weighed 20 or 30 pounds less. So it's a lot harder. Um, I remember when I wasn't into it, like, every once in a while, you were hungry and you don't. And it was, and I was thinking, like, wow, oh, if I ever had to cut it, you know, it's going to be easy to cut. But then after two years of doing this, when you've gained all this weight and your base, your basal metabolic rate has increased and your body's used to all this, all these increased nutrients. You know, you're eating for so long, and then you try and eat less. It's like it's really hard. I can see where, like, psychologically, people, you know, it's not like women have a really hard time not eating carbs, um, cutting that out of their diet and stuff. And like, even as a guy, it was um, tough to get used to. Like initially, I, I got down to three thousand, and I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna do anything more than this. If I ever try to compete and I have to do eat less than this, like, I don't think I can do it. And then you know, we start. You start learning more about like you know fixing the percentage on the macros and stuff, and yeah, now, now I'm pretty comfortable with 28. But uh, in a couple of weeks, I'll probably go back to what I was doing before again. Shit, man, was it hard for you to uh, to bump up to what is was was it 36 that you were measuring calories? Like from, uh, from no. the beginning? Not really. Um, sorry. 
I mean, by the time I was actually tracking, uh, using like my fitness pal and tracking all that stuff, I had probably been in the gym for about a year. It wasn't until that point that, uh, you know, the, um, the Cairo told me like, Hey, use this and your Mac, you know, your macros should probably be at this percentage. Um, so at that point I was eating a, a decent amount. Um, I will say the, uh, the carbs are hard. It wasn't until I started eating rolled oats every morning, rolled oats with uh, collagen, one of the supplements you were just asking about. Um, once I started doing that, it was easy to, to hit the like, you know, the 55, 25, 20 breakdown where I'm eating a little over half of what I eat throughout the day is carbs. Initially it was, and then I started eating uh, oats in the morning and you just get a massive amount of really healthy carbs from that right off the bat. So that made it really easy uh, before that. It was yeah, because I've heard of uh, stories where, you know, people that are hard gainers, or they, they find it difficult to put on weight. So they have to consume so many calories and uh, that they would wake up in the middle of the night. They would set alarms and, like, throw yep. down a shake or eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something crazy, right, Where in order to maintain that mass. Yeah, I, I've heard that too. And it's, I mean, it's no joke. Like, I am more or less in that hard gainer phase. Um so like people might hear, you know, hear me say, you know, I had 3,600 or 3,800 calories, you know, when I'm like into a, in the middle of a good bulking cycle and, you know, especially the, the older guys who aren't really, that, you know, that physical anymore, they just, they just, their eyes kind of bug out and they look at me like, oh my God, how do you force yourself to eat that much? <laughs> it's just, it's not that hard now, especially being a hard gainer. Like it just feels like your body's burning off so much that you're not even overeating or anything. Yeah. How about... What do your cycles look like, or how long do they last? Um, usually a couple months, like two, three months. Okay. And, and then you deload and take a couple of weeks off, and you know, give give your your body and you know the connective tissue, uh, you know, tendons, ligaments, and things, some time to recoup to where you're not pushing as heavy weight, you're not pushing them as hard, and things like that. Um, helps prevent things like uh, there's been some pretty gruesome pec tear videos, you know, going on recently. And that's uh, basically due to people's tendons being weakened, putting their, uh, the the geometry of like the lift they're doing, um, putting it in like biomechanically a very you know weak kind of position. But also, you know, they're probably doing like a one rep max every week, um, doing uh, you know certain types of bench that are uh, put your tendon in a very stretched out weakened position and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, just the deload and certain supplements and things can really, you know, help prevent that. If you understand, uh, you know, the stress that it puts on different parts of your body. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, and, and I wanted to ask about like, uh, like how you get into the education piece and, and I guess maybe making a career in a second. But before that, I, so you're going towards doing shows now or competitions? I'd like to compete in a competition at some point, but I don't think I'm ready yet. Um, having a you know pretty humble view, I don't think I've lost enough body fat. I don't think I'm really large enough yet. Just because, I mean, I feel like my buddy is not, uh, he's going to give me a very honest opinion. Uh, and he said he thought for like a, kind of a you know an amateur show, like your first time competing, he was like, you probably walk away with you know first place. Like you, for someone who hasn't done it before, you're in very good shape, but. I'm just thinking compared to, you know, I'm in my mid thirties. Other people have been doing this for 15 years. If I go up against someone like that, you know, I don't think I'm going to, I'm going to do well, but 
I'd like to at some point when I think I'm ready. Um, as far as uh, say making a career out of it, yeah, um, where I'm moving with uh, my girlfriend, she's uh, she's in the JAG Corps. Uh, there's no, there's nothing in my career field out there, and uh, for the Air Force base, and then there's an Army base, which apparently they are not very holistic. <laughs> of other branches, and uh, literally every single job that I've seen there, it says like you have to have armor experience. They won't even consider you. I spoke, um, not face to face, but like. I had someone refer me who works there on a first name basis and spoke to a, uh, one of the recruiters over the phone. And he was like, yeah, I can't do anything away about how they, you know, the government has it written. So like, there's nothing for me on her base. There's nothing, you know, on any other nearby military base. Um, so we kind of talked it over and I thought like, well, you know, I'm pretty passionate about this. You know, I, I could get my certification and just try and do the personal trainer thing. So, uh, you'll probably see me posting more videos on Instagram and stuff, trying to build up like a, a social media presence there. But I have uh, already, I went on to ISSA, which is one of like the top four uh, certifications uh, internationally, like accepted to become a certified personal trainer. So I'm studying that now. It's a self-paced 10 week, uh, 10 week course. And in, it's not even been two weeks and I'm like trying to power through it. I'm in week four right now. Nice. It's been, I mean, not that makes it sound easy. I've probably read like 500 pages already. Uh, it's a lot, but yeah, people have to know you to understand that it's like that's kind of that's kind of how you do things. You like just go uh, full speed ahead and then you dig deep into the details and whatnot. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, I, I've always derived more satisfaction from helping people than we're like really doing my job. So this is the kind of career where I, you know, that's all you're doing is trying to help people educate them, prevent injury, you know, build them back up. And so I think it's something that I'd really enjoy. And like you said, you know, I, I know that about myself, so I'm trying to use that to my advantage and really, you know, dig deep into it and just do a lot of, a lot of research and learning. Yeah. It sounds like you've learned a shitload since the last time, like we hung out. It's uh, like just hearing you speak. It's like, Oh shit, man. It's uh, it's pretty amazing uh, how far you have gone. In the last two years. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's a it's a double edged sword because <laughs> I mean I was obviously in horrible shape the last time you saw me, so nothing to be proud of. But yeah, I tried to make a big uh, one eighty since then. Yeah, fucking nuts. Um, I don't think you were in horrible shape, but uh, like we still ran. But uh, yeah, I just remember like we had conversations and you would ask me about uh, working out and kind of like some tips and tricks and stuff. And now it's like, man, I'll go to you if, if I need some help. Well, yeah, because you guys are doing all the CrossFit and the marathons. I, you know, I think, oh my God, they're, you know, they're doing so much better. I, I wouldn't even think about trying to do that. So. <laughs> yeah, so earlier you were talking about how it's improved other areas of, of your life. Um, like what what are the what are the big ones uh well you know like you i'm, I'm a very introverted person um that'll probably be the, the most difficult hurdle for me in you know this career change will just be um you know being more social uh, getting out there and you know initiating with people but uh it's um confidence on, on just in a social setting like that before i, I was very very uh Kind of, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. Meek, maybe. Um, 
I just wouldn't be the person to go out there and you know strike up a conversation with a stranger. Uh, even if I did, it'd probably take me a while, and I'd have to see around for a bit first. Like it, um, that, and it, that was probably tied into anxiety a little bit, which is something I had kind of struggled with. And it was like once I started going, and uh, my physical health um, was better. Um, I don't know. It just. It's like, this is probably not a great analogy, but like my stepfather when I was younger told me, you know, because I'm going to compare myself to a dog. He'd say dogs need four things, exercise, 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 and affection. Yeah. Because if they have all this pent-up energy, it just comes out in destructive, negative ways, you know? Um, but, you know, you tire them out, and typically they're a pretty good dog as long as you have a little bit of love and discipline in there. Uh, I think people, to some extent, are the same way, you know. If you're not doing anything, your stresses and your negative emotions and things are going to express themselves probably in unproductive ways, um, ways that you don't like and people around you don't like. Um, as soon as I started actually doing something really productive physically, like, my anxiety just went away. I didn't even have to think about it. I was more confident. You know, I was, I was talking to people more, um, straight on conversations, my coworkers, strangers, like, obviously still a natural um, introvert so you know I'll come home sometimes and just chill out and do something in solitude for an hour or two but like the rest of the time the rest of the day um, you know I, I have no problem like striking up conversations you know with people now um, out and about uh, so those are probably like the biggest two things but then um, just diet nutrition wise also you know like I already said a few times it made me want to eat healthy so you know that would be huge um, thing that I liked. Uh, I pretty much lost my urge to drink alcohol, like 100%. Which also, of course, you know, you don't do that. You're going to shed some body weight too. Some of that, that 10 or 15 pounds of shit weight um, between like alcohol and, you know, fast food and stuff. Yeah. Um, do you drink at all? Um, I, I haven't uh, quit cold turkey. Like, I, like I'll never do it. Uh, of my own, it was but if, um, you know, everyone's in a great while uh, with a girlfriend, if we go to a restaurant or something, or, um, you know, I might, but like typically now I'll go like three, four or five months without drinking anything. And, you know, I may have like one drink on a special occasion and I just go back to my. Nice. Dude, I think your analogy was, was perfect and spot on, man. I've never heard anybody uh, put it in that way where... You know, if you have all that pent-up energy, it just comes out in negative ways sometimes. Uh, and, and I think you're absolutely correct. Because, like, I found, um, like I told you before, for my fitness levels, it's been peaks and valleys, right? Um, and when I'm low uh, in my fitness, those are, like, some of the worst times in my life. Because I just, it's just because I feel, like, so so shitty about myself pretty much everything around me I just feel shit about the same way um, yeah so, I mean it's really not surprising when you think of uh, I mean things like balance and moderation yeah. you know balance as far as the muscle groups you know moderation as far as whether it's uh, fitness or diet or you know work family life balance and that kind of thing um, we get so caught up in our routines it's hard a lot of the time to me you know, kind of have that moderation that balance and you know, like you said, you notice it when times when you haven't been very physical, that it's, it's been pretty rough. So it's one of those things that I think we don't normally think about, but it has just an absolutely massive impact, whether you realize it or not. Yeah. But it's like until you, I guess until you have that epiphany 
who you really like understand and accept that it's um, impacting you as much as it does, you know, you uh, may not take any steps to, you know, do anything about it. I mean, obviously, you know, it's tough. Like you guys have, you know, all the children and stuff a lot more of your time. <laughs> Again, it's a lot hard. It's way harder for you than it is for me. So I'm not trying to, you know, throw stones or pass judgment or anything like that or shame anybody. But, uh, but you know, it's true. Also. Yeah. And like, even if you did have kids, man, I think, uh, like as disciplined as you have been, I think you'd, you'd find a way. And most people that, that are determined like that, they will, whether there's kids or, or not. But shit, man, I think uh, that is a great place to end the show. Um, yeah, uh, definitely. Thanks for having me. No, man, thanks for, for being on the podcast. I definitely want to bring you back. Um, next time we'll get up set up a little bit better. We'll have some more conversations on, on fitness. So Holly and I are doing uh, – have you ever heard of 75 Hard? 75 hard yeah so it's this challenge uh this dude andy frisilla he's the ceo of first form um okay yeah yeah Yeah, i definitely want to talk to you more about uh supplements and stuff to like which ones you use and and how do you how do you use them when you take them and whatnot but we can get into that next time uh but yeah this dude the ceo of first form he created this challenge 75 hard it's 75 days of so you have to do five things Work out twice a day. One of those workouts has to be outside. Uh, drink a gallon of water. Um, read 10 pages of a nonfiction book. Um, follow a diet. Uh, and, and he's not specific on which diet you follow, just as long as one that's meeting the attention of, of your goals and whatnot. And then no cheat meals whatsoever. So for se- Oh, and no alcohol. So no cheap meals, no alcohol for 75 days straight. Uh, so we're doing that right now. And uh, so next time we talk, I'll probably be a little fitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be curious to ask you about it. That, uh, that that sounds like a good thing, even if it just breaks someone out of like their normal routine. Yeah. I mean, it's good. There's a, I don't know much about first form, but there's a, uh, a guy at my gym who's always posting on Instagram and stuff, repping you know, the first form products and things. Yeah. So I've seen it around before. I don't know much about it, but uh, – yeah, no, we can definitely get into that next time. Uh, you know, the supplements and things is an interesting conversation because there's so many of them out there. I oh, mean, yeah. you can spend a ridiculous amount of money and like, you know, in my opinion, a lot of them aren't necessary. And then, you know, some of them, there are definitely reasons why you would want to use them. And it, it, it's a whole thing, but that'll, you know, get us talking for another 20, 30 minutes. So, yeah. But, uh, that was another thing I want to talk to you about, but again, we could get into it next time. So the supplements and then the financial piece, uh, because I know when I start getting into my fitness phases and like where I just want to be top notch, uh, that price tag goes up pretty quickly. So I don't know if it was the same for you and whatnot, but definitely. But, uh, just as a, a quick comment on that, people spend money on whatever their hobby is, you know, yep, like I, I worked once, uh, someone was, uh, you know, shaming, us, jokingly like shaming us for spending money on stuff. And he goes, you spent more on dumber shit. People spend money on whatever they do. That's, you know, you're never going to escape that. So. Yeah, that's true, man. Uh, but shit. All right. Unless you got any parting words. No, no, I'm good. No, thanks. And, uh, Hey, close it up. Yeah. All right, babes. Oh, hold on.
Yeah. Uh, before, <laughs> if you're enjoying the podcast, subscribe to the podcast wherever it is you're listening to. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever. Just subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, um, scroll down to the bottom and hit that fifth star and give us a five-star review. It helps uh, the podcast gain more traction, become more popular, and more people get to listen. So hit that fifth star, hook us up with a review, and uh, keep on listening, babes. Peace out, Cub Scouts. Peace out, Cub Scouts. We'll see y'all next week. Hey, don't hang up, man. All right. Uh, We will see y'all next week. Later.